pregnancy and postpartum questions. I'm your host, Monique Maitland, qualified midwife and nurse, founder of the Midi Society, and someone who is about to become your personal in-pocket midwife and virtual best friend. The Midi Society is a community-based platform where we interview leading healthcare professionals, new mummers, and everyday people who share with us their experiences and reveal what they wish they knew before becoming a parent. So buckle up for this crazy and exciting ride. I'll be talking all things tits, bits, spew and poo. Alright, let's get started. Today's episode is proudly brought to you by Training With Mates, your local supportive fitness community that strengthens health, performance and lifestyle goals through expert coaching, fun and mateship. Exercising whilst pregnant can be a little bit daunting, with most of us not knowing what we actually can and can't do. But with Training With Mates active mum classes, personalised programs and extensive knowledge about safe exercise in pregnancy, they can help you best navigate staying fit and healthy during pregnancy and in the postpartum period. Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of Midi Education. Oh my goodness, what a big few days it has been for Melbournians. Uh, We're not officially free, but it feels like we've got a lot more freedom, um, which I guess comes with a lot of excitement and a little bit of some uncertainty as well. I know for me, working in the hospital, I'm super excited to be out and be able to spend time with my family and friends, but it's also pretty nerve-wracking knowing that the worst is still to come. Um, I am working on the COVID ward in the hospital I work at at the moment. So that's a little bit of a new experience for me, but I guess I am lucky that I get to support women during this time. It can be quite isolating for those who are positive or who are close contacts and are isolating in the hospital because they're support persons and they can't have visitors there. So I guess they've got us and if you are one of those people who might find yourself isolating, just know that your feelings are validated but your beautiful midwives will always be there for a chat and to support you whenever they can. On another super exciting and positive note, I did post on my Instagram the other day, but my sister Emma, my big sister Emma, she is pregnant and oh my goodness, I cannot explain how excited I am. She's about 23 weeks now and yeah, I'm just totally over the moon. I think she's a bit nervous of what's to come because I may steal her baby from her. Um, I can't wait to have a little a little cherub in the family. Um, yeah, we're super excited and yeah, it couldn't have come at better timing for us. So that little bubs is due in February and yeah, it will be so, so fun to have a little niece or nephew. Not sure what it is yet, but my pick is a girl. But less about me and more about what this episode today is going to be about. And I thought that you guys would really benefit from 
what you can expect if you find yourself either being booked in for a cesarean or if you find yourself having an emergency cesarean. And in this episode, I do want it to be quite informative and tell you the ins and outs, but also just let you know that like what you can expect during the lead up to booking in a cesarean section, as well as what theatre looks like, the recovery process, and yeah, what midwives and the doctors will do whilst you're in hospital. So I hope you get a lot of valuable information from this episode. All right, so let's get straight into it. So what is a cesarean, you ask? So a cesarean section is a major surgical operation in which your baby is birthed through a cut in your abdomen and uterus. Caesareans are usually performed under anesthesia such as an epidural or a spinal. In some cases, it is necessary to use general anesthetic so that you are asleep throughout the process if we are required to get your baby out quickly. C-sections are usually categorized into two different types, elective and emergency. Caesarean births which are planned in advance are called elective caesareans and this may be because of existing problems with your pregnancy which I'll get into next but the other type is an emergency caesarean and this is when a decision is made to deliver your baby throughout the labour if there is any suspected compromise to either you or your baby. A really important thing to note is if you do find yourself having um, an elective or an emergency caesarean, it does require informed consent. So we cannot do anything without you giving us the all clear to do so. So what are some of the reasons why you might find yourself being booked in for an elective caesarean? And there is quite a few. So I'm just going to go through the most common reasons why we see electives being booked in. So the things that I see most commonly are repeat electives. So someone who has had a previous caesarean, they're just electing to have another caesarean. Um, If your baby is breech, so that means when their bottom is down in the pelvis rather than their head if you have a multiple pregnancy so if you've got twins all on board or triplets um, obviously you can always elect for a vaginal birth for this but I guess it's just a discussion that you need to have with your medical providers um, depending on what position those babies are in some women elect to have a cesarean if they've had a third or fourth degree perineal tear and this may be their just perfect personal preference to do that. You obviously can have a vaginal birth once again after having one of those tears as well. So don't feel like if you are listening and you've had a third or fourth degree tear that you can never have a vaginal birth again. That's not the case. Another reason why might be due to a previous traumatic birth where the woman also elects to have a cesarean section. Then we have some more complex reasons why, such as, you know, the placenta previa. So that's where your placenta is embedded closely to the cervix. So if your cervix started to dilate, then your placenta is at risk, I guess, of pulling away from that uterine wall. And your placenta delivers oxygen and nutrients to your baby. So if that's the case, we wouldn't want that to happen as your baby would then be deprived of 
oxygen and nutrients. Um, then we've got the vasa previa. So that's when the cord is actually in front of your baby's head. And if your cord was to come out before your baby's head, then that's also a medical emergency. But then we've got other reasons such as the type of placenta. So whether that's placenta accreta, increta or percreta. And these are some big words, but in case you come across it, it's just better if you better for you to know but that's just talking about where your placenta is embedded so it can be embedded into scar tissue or something like that some other reasons if you have a multi-fibroid uterus or if you've had four or more previous cesareans uh, if you have a high bmi or if it's known to have any previous bladder injury or if you've had any abdominal surgery such as your bowel bladder or a renal transplant, or if there's any other sort of known complications to either you or your baby, then we would elect for a cesarean section. And in saying this, I've listed a few, but this conversation needs to be had with your medical provider and they will obviously identify if you fall into any of these categories and lead you down the pathway which they suggest. It's also important to note that your midwives don't book you in for cesarean sections. This is done by the obstetric team. Um, women who see midwives, they are usually deemed the low risk and we can't actually book them in for a cesarean section. So the timing of when your C-section may be booked can vary depending on the reason why it is being booked and your medical team will identify that. Uh, it could be early on in pregnancy or it could be up to you know a week of your baby being born depending on the reason why ideally we would want all babies to be delivered at term so at least 37 completed weeks of pregnancy but sometimes this cannot be the case so anywhere yeah it just I can't answer exactly the timing of a cesarean section as it's totally up to your medical providers so please check with them and ask the question there in terms of indications for an emergency cesarean, so this will be decided if there has been identified concerns for your baby or if there's life-threatening emergency for either you or your baby throughout that labour and birth period. Some indications for an emergency cesarean include um, maternal complications such as severe bleeding or severe preeclampsia, fetal bradycardia, which is referring to when your baby drops its heart rate for an extended period of time. Obviously, there's a reason why they're doing that and they may not be coping with the labor. Um, an abnormal CTG, so that's sort of similar to a fetal bradycardia and that's when either your baby is showing us signs of distress and potentially that we need to deliver your baby sooner rather than later as they're not going to cope with the rest of the labor and birth. Uh, if we suspect any uterine rupture or if we notice that your baby is not head down and rather their hand or their foot or their bottom is coming first and if we have time to do an emergency cesarean then they most likely would recommend that but also cord prolapse so this is when the cord comes out of the vagina before the baby's head which is a big medical emergency and then last but not least there is what we call failure to progress. I really don't like saying that term, but this is when the woman has been in labor for an extended period of time and we're not seeing any cervical changes. 
so the cervix isn't dilating despite our best attempts to um, promote cervical dilation, for example, putting up the syntocinone hormone drip. Um, but if you find yourself being labelled failure to progress, just know that this isn't anything to do with you. It may be due to your baby's position that they're not applying enough pressure on the cervix and that's why you're not reaching the um, 10 centimetres dilated. So yeah, as much as I hate using that term, you may hear it a little bit throughout your labour and birth if that is the case. Now, these are not all of the reasons, but these are some of the main indications for elective and emergency caesareans. So now I'll talk you through what you can expect in terms of when you either come into the hospital for an elective caesarean or once it has been said that you're going to have an emergency caesarean. So this may look a little bit different depending on whether you're having an elective C-section or an emergency C-section. So we'll start with the elective C-sections and Basically, what will happen is the day before or two days before your booked in cesarean section, you will go and get your blood test done. And this is so we have the most recent blood counts. And if you have an emergency C-section when you're admitted into birth center, we usually pop a IV cannula. So a drip into your hand and take blood. So that's where your recent bloods will come from. But then you will be required to fast. So at a certain point, usually at midnight, um, we ask you not to drink any more water or any have eat any more food. Um, we also, depending on the hospital that you're booked in with, will give you a pre-op medication. So they may require you to take that at home or once you get into the hospital. And that's usually just to neutralize all your stomach acid. Once you get into the hospital, um, you will be admitted and you'll be welcomed by a lovely midwife who will be with you throughout the rest of the period in terms of going into theatre. Um, they will feel your baby, so do an abdominal palpation, listen to your baby's heart rate and then also do a set of OBS on you. As well as that, they will go through a pre-op checklist where they'll ask you silly little questions like, when was the last time you had something to eat and drink? Do you have any jewelry on? Do you have any false teeth? And if you are going in for an elective Caesar, just take off your jewelry prior if you can, because yeah, we will take it off. And if it can't be take, like taken off, we will tape it down. Then we'll pop you into a gown and your partner will get into, or your support person will get into hospital scrubs. And if you do have pubic hair along where they would make that incision, we will give it a quick shave just to make it easier when they remove the tape and make it less painful for you. You will then get a IV cannula placed into your hand and this will be either inserted by you know your midwives or the anaesthetist and usually the medical team will come and speak with you so your doctors who are going to perform the surgery as well as your anaesthetist will come in and check in with you prior to going into theatre. Once we've done all that, we'll walk you to theatre. Your partner will need to stay outside of the theatre until you're all set up. So that's once you've got your anaesthetic on board, but your midwife will be with you the entire time. Now, I think this is when women get most nervous walking into the theatre. And so I'm just going to explain a little bit what theatre looks like. So it is very medical. 
Um, if you haven't been in a medical environment, it can be very daunting. Um, it's quite a bright room, obviously bright for the reasons that we need to be able to see what we're doing. There usually is the table in the middle of the room, which you will lay on. Uh, there's big lights above that table that the obstetric team will move around and position correctly. But you will see a lot of medical staff in there. So you've got your scrub nurse, you've got your anaesthetist, you'll have your midwife, you'll either have uh, two or three doctors assisting with the surgery. You may see instruments that are going to be used during the cesarean on a table all lined up ready to go um, but just know that everyone is super friendly they're people they'll still talk to you we'll try and make the environment as calm and as relaxing as we can because we know that women can get a little bit intimidated and stressed and nervous so sometimes we do play music or you can request music to be played obviously depending on the certain like on the circumstance of your cesarean but yeah we will always try and speak to you and speak to your partner and make this experience a really memorable and beautiful one for you. The anaesthetist will then insert your analgesia um, so you'll sit on the table bent over like a cat and I explained this in like my epidural episode but they will insert the needle into your back. Once they're happy they will check that the medication is working correctly the medical team in the room will place you how they want you to be placed on the operating table. So sometimes they'll most likely they'll put a wedge underneath you and your arm will be out to the side and that's because during the process they will monitor your blood pressure and all your observations that they need an arm free and as always we don't want you laying flat on your back as a pregnant woman. A drape will then be hung and that goes just underneath your breast and it's just a sheet that gets hung up so that you can't see what's happening below. Once your baby is being birthed, they will drop it down so that you can see your baby coming out. Um, but before then, it usually is up and you can't see what is going on past that drape. During this time, they will also insert a catheter. So this is a tube into your bladder because obviously you can't get up and go to the toilet and we want to make sure that your bladder is draining the entire time. So that catheter will stay in post-op as well until you get your feeling back in your legs and you can get up and move around. Your midwife will also check your baby's heart rate after the analgesia is inserted. Once all of this is done, then your partner will come and sit next to you in the theater. Now, a lot of this is similar in an emergency, but usually it is just done at a faster pace and there's more people helping out depending on the severity of the emergency. So once an emergency C-section is called, you may find a lot of people coming into your room but don't be afraid. This is because we just need more hands to get things done prior to transferring you to theatre. Your primary accoucher, so the midwife who has been working with you, will be the one to go with you to theatre. But other midwives and medical team will come in. Someone will be there talking to your partner to help your partner um, get ready to go into theatre. Or if there's any pre-medications that we need to give you, for example, if you're contracting too often and we need the contractions to stop, we might administer a medication to stop the contractions just to give your baby a rest. 
as well as this, the medical team will come in and consent you to the procedure, so the cesarean, and talk about the risk of it. Um, obviously, as I mentioned, we always require your informed consent. We then will transfer you to theatre and um, your partner will once again wait outside until you are set up and ready to go. Sometimes women who come from birth centre already have an epidural on board, so they just require a top up. But if you don't have any analgesia on board and a Caesar has been called, we will have to, if time is allowing us, either pop in the spinal analgesia and in some cases depending on the severity of the emergency you may require a general anesthetic and remember in this case your partner won't be able to come into the room and the reason for the general would be that we just have no delay we can't wait any longer to get this baby out and we need to put you to sleep straight away in order to get the baby out as quickly as we can. I think it's also important to note that sometimes, and this is more rare, if the, and this goes for elective and emergency C-sections, if the anaesthetist cannot get that spinal in and they've had multiple, multiple attempts, they will just then put you under, so put you under general anaesthetic because they've failed to get that uh, spinal in. So once your baby is being birthed, they'll drop the drape, they'll do delayed cord clamping and your midwife will then receive the baby and take them over to the resuscitator quickly where your partner or support person will come to and just help cut the cord. Although the cord will be cut over um, at the operating table, we do leave a little bit more of the umbilical cord there so that the support person or partner can help cut that and get that, you know, Photoshop moment where they're cut, holding the scissors, posing, cutting the cord. Your midwives will do a quick check of your baby. Um, if there is an emerge, if it was an emergency C-section, the paediatrician will also be there for any type of emergency C-section just in case your baby was to come out um, in not the best condition. Once the midwives or the doctors are happy with your baby's condition, they will then be brought over to you and will perform skin to skin. Now, this is going to depend on your hospital as well as what's happening with the actual operation. But just know that all midwives will always recommend skin to skin. There's so many benefits of skin to skin. And in theatre, it can be quite cold for babies. So being on your chest is going to help them with their temperature stability. It can be a little bit tricky to do skin to skin when you are lying completely flat and there's only so much of your chest exposed, but just know your midwife will try as as best as they can, but there just may, might be some adjustments and it could feel a little bit awkward, but nothing's going to feel awkward. You're going to have your beautiful baby in your arms. Now, always make sure you bring a camera because I tell you what, being in theatre and being the one to take photos of your, you know, the couple uh, with their baby, it is the best part of the job and everyone will be fighting for that role. So just know that you can still take your phone in and we can take as many photos as you like. Whilst the doctors are finishing up the surgery, your midwife will take your support person and the baby out into recovery we try and delay this for as long as we can as we don't want to separate you and your baby but unfortunately we don't keep the mum and the baby together the entire time but there may be that slight delay of you coming out to theatre into recovery 
Now, the time that you spend in theatre is really going to depend on how long everything takes and whether or not there was complications with the surgery. So it could be as short as like 40 minutes or it could be an hour and a half, two hours. It really depends. But once the doctors are happy with the surgery and everything is all done, you will then be transferred to the post-op and this is where you'll meet your beautiful baby and your support person and your midwife and your recovery nurse. And during the post-op period, we will basically just be checking that your bleeding is okay, that your pain is okay, um, that all your observations, so like your blood pressure, heart rate, temperature, everything is within normal limits. Your midwife will be helping you facilitate your your first breastfeed. And I always say to women during this time that just know after a cesarean, it's not ideal to establish a breastfeed you know it's quite tricky you're managing just a major surgery and then to be expected to sit up and feed it can be a little bit tricky especially if you're feeling drowsy from any medications that you've been given so I always say that this feed is like a practice run Um, it's more like an entree and then when we get upstairs and you feel a little bit better or get up when I say get upstairs when you get to the postnatal ward and feel a little bit better we can still establish the breastfeed there. When your recovery nurse and your midwife are happy with how everything is going you will then be transferred to the postnatal ward. And this is where you will stay for the remainder of your stay. When you get to the postnatal ward, you're going to have quite frequent observations. So this is where your midwives will check either your bleeding and your blood pressure. And that's usually every half an hour for the first few hours. And then it gradually will become hourly. And this is just to make sure that there is no deterioration in your condition. Don't underestimate how major the surgery of a cesarean is. I think because we hear cesareans happening so often and so many women having cesareans we just expect that it's just this basic surgery which it is not so please be kind to yourself now the main thing that's going to happen on the postnatal ward from now in terms of your recovery is your midwives are going to best help support you by managing your pain so I always say to the women that I look after When you've come up to the postnatal ward, if you start to feel that your pain is creeping to more of a four out of 10, let your midwife know because it is much harder to catch up on managing the pain if you let it go too long. So we'd rather get on top of it sooner rather than later. So I guess that we always have a baseline of pain management. If your pain gets to more of an 8 out of 10, 9 out of 10, 10 out of 10, it's much harder to catch that pain. So always let your midwife know when you feel like the pain is becoming more like a 4 out of 10. Another thing that I tell the women that I look after is just know that it is actually quite good for you to get up and get moving. Obviously, not straight away and not if your observations are outside what we would want them to be, but you can get up the day of your cesarean section uh, if you have good pain management. So like I said, speaking to your midwife for pain relief. 
But if you wanted to and you're feeling really good, usually we would recommend you staying in bed for up to six hours. But after that, if you're feeling okay to get up, I would recommend it. It actually does help with your healing and recovery process, obviously taking it very easy. But I guess the hardest thing for women who have cesareans in the postnatal ward, especially that first day of the cesarean is not being able to get up and go and get your baby or get up and change a baby's nappy. You really have to be dependent on your midwife or your support person and that can be quite challenging. So that's why I say if you can and you're feeling well and it is safe to do so, getting up sooner rather than later to attend to your baby's cares will be really beneficial for both your recovery but it will also just make that postpartum period a little bit easier for you. Now you'll still have that catheter in your bladder and once you get up and get moving this catheter can then be removed. Once we remove the catheter you will be required to go to the toilet and we like to measure your wheeze just to make sure that everything after the operation is working well. Now, if you are someone who has had a cesarean section, um, we would recommend you staying for a minimum of two nights. And that's just to make sure that your pain is under control and that you are well. In terms of going home, you will be given a script with stronger pain medication, which you had been taking in hospital to continue taking at home as you require. Um, and also the midwives will come and visit you at home your dressing usually comes off anywhere from like day four to day five and that's don't be afraid of that it's very simple we just pull the dressing off it will be pain free in terms of caring for the wound once that bandage has come off it's just making sure you keep it nice and clean and dry usually there is no external stitches like you can't actually see the stitches from the outside they're dissolvable um, but it's keeping that area nice and clean and dry so we wouldn't recommend putting soap on that area until your wound has healed um, and patting dry after a shower as well as like any infection so just monitoring the wound for any kinds of signs of infection your midwife will keep an eye on this but just in case the infection starts to present itself once we've discharged you from the hospital um, these are the signs to look out for so if you notice that your wound is oozing and pussy, that's not a good sign. Or if you notice that it's really red and raised and sore, and even if it's giving off a bad odor, please go to your GP and get it checked. Similarly, if you notice that it looks like it's starting to pull apart um, and there's some excess bleeding also please go and see your GP or if you're immediately concerned go to your nearest hospital. In terms of recovery whilst you are at home you know we wouldn't recommend any heavy lifting or any driving for the first six weeks or until you are cleared by your GP and you go and have your GP checkup at six weeks. So really that first six weeks is all about pain management, healing, recovery and just soaking up the time with your baby and establishing your breastfeeding journey or feeding journey. And this goes for whether or not you've had an elective cesarean or if you've had an emergency cesarean. Now, that was a lot of information. There's one more little thing I'm going to talk to you about and that's the risks associated with a cesarean section. 
Obviously, the first one, which I've mentioned, is that a cesarean section is a big surgery. There are several layers of body tissue that are cut and required to be repaired during a cesarean section. So post-op pain is normal, but it is a side effect of having a cesarean. Sometimes the analgesia which is used may cause some side effects. So you might feel drowsy or dizzy um, or nauseous. And in rare situations, you may be allergic to that analgesia. As I've also mentioned, like any sort of wound, there are risks of infection to that area. And this can affect a small amount of women, but just know that it can be treated with antibiotics. After any surgery, you are at higher risk of forming blood clots. And this is because you don't move around as much. So you're at risk of forming a blood clot. And that's why we give you a medication called Clexane. So it's a anti-coag and it just prevents blood clots from forming. So usually for the first three days in hospital, we give you an injection into your thigh or into your tummy once a day to prevent that. As well as this, I've sort of touched on it. Uh, If you are experiencing pain or if you're just feeling a bit uncomfortable from the cesarean section, obviously it's a bit more challenging caring for your baby. So holding your baby, breastfeeding can be a little bit more challenging just due to the discomfort. So really try and stay on top of your pain management. And I guess more serious complications are things like any type of organ being nicked throughout the process of the cesarean. So that might be your bladder um, or in a very serious case, if you are at increased risk of bleeding and um, there is no other choice but to remove your uterus. So a hysterectomy that is rare, but it is a complication that may occur. And that is associated with any birth option as well. Well, that concludes today's episodes on everything to do with elective and emergency cesareans. I really hope that you guys benefited and enjoyed this episode. There was a lot of information to take on board, but just remember, as always, if you have any sorts of questions, always speak to your medical and healthcare providers. Like always, the support from you guys has been absolutely incredible. So thank you again from the bottom of my heart for tuning in each week. I can't thank you enough. If you have a minute to spare, it would mean the world to me if you guys could leave a review or give this podcast a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. That would be absolutely amazing. I can't wait to speak with you guys soon. Have an incredible rest of your week. Bye. Thank you for listening to today's episode of MIDI. Your support means the absolute world to me. So if you loved this episode and want to stay up to date with the latest interviews and midwifery education, please hit the subscribe button and leave a five-star review. For further information about this episode, please check the show notes below. If you wish to share your pregnancy and motherhood experience, you can get in touch with me by emailing hello at themidisociety.com.au and find us on Instagram at at themidisociety or at Monique underscore Maitland. I cannot wait for you to join me next week. I'll be talking all things flap chat. In the meantime, I hope you have an amazing week and remember you're doing the best you can. Mm-hmm.